start with this. What do you get when you cross two ignorant hypothesizers with a very exciting event? Is that how you're starting this? Yeah. It's a riddle. What do you get? Tell me, what do we get? You get the Racing Line podcast, the Bathurst 12-hour preview. That's what you get. So, that being said. That's so corny. <laughs> that is stupid. With that being said, welcome to episode 64 of the Racing Line podcast, um, our third for the year, the second podcast in succession where we look at the upcoming Bathurst 12-hour. Um, but this week is going to be a little bit of a deep dive into the entries on, and the entry list for the 12-hour uh, where Joe and I break down the different classes um, or the different GT3 classes. Um, and then we kind of give you our insights, our inputs, and maybe a few predictions as to um, who the, the favourites are for each, um, each class. And then we'll even give you a smoky for each class. Um, so, and this a is smoky. What's a smoky? Like a dark horse? Smoky is a dark horse, Joe. That's exactly what it is. Um, so that's why they're called smokies. Um, Whoever called them a smoky in their life? You just don't gamble enough, so you haven't heard the phrase. There Fair you enough. Go. Is that the new Arsenal jersey you're wearing? No. Oh, okay. Um, so that being said, in, um, now we we have not done. Any, that's right. We have not done any lists. We haven't created any lists for this podcast. It's completely off the cuff, so uh, it should be good. So, one. Do you want to explain why it's off the cuff? Um, <laughs> no, we'll leave that because we might we might get um, Brad on the later. Get that rectified. There was a little bit of a um, – we're supposed to have an interview for you, but there was a little bit of a uh, loss uh, or mix-up in translation in relation to email. So um, hopefully we'll get that rectified. So with all of that being said, welcome. Thank you for listening to the podcast. And this is our preview of the Bathurst 12-hour. So, Harry, cue the music. All right, so before we start talking really about any of the lineups, I think it's pretty important to state that this is a 12-hour race, so everything that we are going to be saying about, you know, the teams and the drivers that are kind of looking strong has to come with the caveat that in a 12-hour race anything can happen. Um, If you asked, I think, uh, you know, Schnitzer Racing, in 2018, if they thought they were going to be a favourite for the race, they would have said yes. Um, and then Chaz put it in the wall um, off a restart. So anything can happen in a 12-hour race. Um, so that's our little caveat. But let's start by looking at the pro entries for the 2023 Bathurst 12-hour. And we have a fair few of them. We've got two, four, six. We've got eight pro entries. We've got... Um, um, Kenny Habul Sun Energy Mercedes. We've got the Super Cheap Auto Triple Eight, um, Super Cheap Auto Triple Eight Mercedes with Shane Van Gisbergen, and Brock Feeney, um, and not Mario Engel, Maxi Book. We've got the Grouper M Mercedes coming back. We've got Craft Bamboo returning to Bathurst with the hope of winning at this time. We've got a Melbourne-based Audi. We've got two WRT BMWs, the new BMW M4 GT3s. This is going to be their first um, GT World Challenge uh, event ever with those new um, BMWs, and it's the first time that WRT have raced something other than a 
um, Audi in GT racing um, forever. And last but not least, we've got the Manti Porsche making its return to Bathurst for the first time since 2017, I think it is. So straight off the cuff, Joe, tell me your two favourites or your two strongest teams coming into this event in the pro category. I think for me, it's going to be the Manti Porsche and it's going to have to be... uh, I would say one of uh, a Mercedes. I think the Mercedes and the Porsche both have a, a grip on, on the track. They've been here before. They've brought these um, variations of car before. And I think we've seen them both be very successful. And especially the Manti Porsche has a, um, I think it has a lineup of, of like sort of young guns that, is not uh, that are not afraid to go fast for like the whole race. Um, so that would be my, my, my um, gut instinct kind of bets. I would probably lean towards a triple eight car. Just for Aussie fans out there, the Manti Porsche, uh, the Grello Manti Porsche has uh, Australian Matt Gamble, who's done a few faster slaps around Bathurst uh, in the GT3 series whenever he comes down. So he's racing. We've got Matthew Jaminet, who's the second entry for the car. And we've got Thomas Prining, who last year in DTM had three race wins, was by far the most dominant uh, Porsche driver in the DTM last year. So it's quite a strong lineup. Um, But if you're looking for an Australian connection, I think the Manti Porsche is a good place to start. It's also green and gold. So, um, and they're also teaming up with the Aussie team that came up with the EMA. Yep. We've uh, made a few appearances in, um, European GT and also in the Nortz Life events, um, bringing their car back to Australia to race, obviously, the Australian 12-hour. Um, so it's a bit of a collab between Manti and EMA, which is really cool to see. Uh, it's really good to see Australian. And I think one of the things we will have to talk about tonight, Joe, is the collaboration between a lot of our, our European well-known names, teams, etc. cetera. Um, and rather than bringing their whole factory efforts down um, collabing with some of our Australian teams and then also seeing some of our Australian teams teaming up to have a more competitive um, advantage uh, in this event. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. Uh, I think an interesting topic of conversation, and we did um, kind of pry it open a little bit last week with Marcel, is Team WRT bringing two brand new BMWs uh, to the event. Um, they've obviously well brand new in the sense that they haven't raced at the 12 hour, but they did race last year in, in, in Europe and in America with quite a lot of success. It has to be said, um, you know, they've been dominant pretty much since they, um, came out of the box. Um, and WRT is a new team, uh, with the BMW, except it's Uber experienced. Um, so what do you make of that? What do you make of Valentino Rossi coming down? Does that give any more spectacle to the event? Um, and, you know, even though it's a new car coming to Bathurst for the first time, uh, do you think they have a real shot at, at winning? Um, I think they've got a, a shot at winning. I think the lineups are uh, uh, pretty handy. I would say that the, the Valentino Rossi lineup is, I would say, weaker. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how Rossi is going to go on a track like Bathurst. Um, it's so different to anything else that he's... That he's driven. Having said that, he did really good at Spa last year, 
but this isn't Spa. Mm. Um, so he was that, quite good at Spa in the consistency stakes, but there was um, like you, yeah, if you, if you difference it, in pace between himself yeah. and the pro pro drivers, and so he's, Heide, he's considered a pro, and yet so hiding him in a pro lineup, I think, is going to be an interesting proposition. Um, but it's WIT, and I know, I think realistically, what this is going to bring the event is going to be just massive numbers of eyeballs, probably for interest's sake, which is definitely understandable. Um, but I'm, I'm interested to see. It's been a couple of years since we've seen a pro BMW lineup hit the, hit the mountain. Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm just I'm very excited to see that. I'm excited to see a team as experienced as WRT coming to the mountain with these new BMWs. Um, because realistically, we don't know if they'll be here next year either with what they want to do. So they might be a one and done in these BMWs. So I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to not BMW. What was that? Sorry. WIT. I think the BMWs will be here. I just don't think, I don't know if WIT will be running them next year. Um, so, you know, I'm happy to see what they can do. With, with the uh, performance that they put in in Dubai last week, so the first 24-hour race of the year, you know, a lot of teams um, will go down to Dubai um, to kind of just get their processes in place. Obviously, it's a, a great race, but it's a little bit of a like a um, shakedown weekend for a lot of teams, and obviously WRT used it in that regard as well. 24-hour race, both teams are pretty much uh, incident-free, hiccup-free for the for the majority, if not the whole of the race. Um, so they're very limited um, uh, track time with the BMWs does look uber impressive. Um, so they have to be, in my opinion, definitely one of the, the teams to view. And, yeah, maybe not so much the um, Rossi team, but definitely the, you know, the Vint or um, Charles Vitz, um team. The, the Sketches BMW, I think, is, is going to be one of the big players in the event. Uh, which is awesome. It's awesome to have, you know, as many manufacturers as possible, um, you know, competing. We've got the Porsche, so we've got Audi with only one pro lineup this year that's coming out of the um, the Melbourne Performance Centre, um, which is a little bit different considering how many Audi lineups we've had or how many Audi cars we've had at Bathurst, you know, um, throughout really the history of the event. It's normally one of the most strongly um, presented teams in relation to the pro lineups, but this year is the first time that they aren't going to be involved in the Intercontinental GT Championship. Uh, and we've they're, seen- not, they're, not, they're not sure if they are. Okay. So, bec- so because they're not sure, they're sort of running a skeleton, a skeleton team at the moment. So if, as you can see, they have got the one car in pro, so they will score points to that goal in, if they do choose to do it, but they're still shuffling around their, their team. And see, Audi is a very interesting proposition because they seem to be in a bit of a transitional period at the moment. Mm. I think they're toning back a bit on, I don't know, like if they're to, like they're definitely toning back on their, their motorsport footprint in the same time that they're ramping up for Formula One. Formula One has to be. Yeah. Well, if you look at the pro lineup anyway, they've got Mattia Drudy, they've got Christopher Haaser, they've got Patrick Niederhauser, who are all extremely fast peddlers. I mean, Christopher Haaser has been an ever-present in the factory um, Porsche lineup for the longest time. 
Patrick and Ida House are maybe not so well known internationally, but in relation to um, you know GT World Challenge Europe, but more um, more uh, exclusively in the GT Masters, the German GT Three Championships, won the championship twice. So he's definitely no slouch behind the wheel as well. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting that there's only one pro lineup, considering how many how many Audis run in Australia. Uh, in our one another thing that is interesting this year is that they don't have Valvoline backing, so that's something mm-hmm. that has to be um, remembered as well. So I don't know if that if that is something to do with it. Yeah, but um, but it's an interesting one, consideration uh, to remember. Not, not as many um, bullets in the chamber for that manufacturer. We've got a plethora of Mercedes, so Mercedes are making up half of the pro grid. We've got the Craft Bamboo team um, who are returning uh, to Australia um, for the second time. We've got Grouper M um, who are running. Are they running in their own capacity this year, Grouper M, or are they still running under the 888 banner? No, they're not. I think they're running in their own capacity. Okay. Because 888 running their own two cars. Mm. We've got the super cheap auto racing car. This is going to be very interesting because they've got Shane Gerd van Gisbergen, who's arguably, not arguably, Pretty undebatably the fastest driver in Australia. They've got Brock Feeney, who in the two events that he raced the Triple Eight Mercedes last year showed that he was by no means a slouch behind the wheel of of that new car as well. And they've got Maxi Book. So I think this has to be one of the um, strongest lineups really on the grid, has to be said. Um, And also we know the uh, expertise and the the, – quality of the triple eight team as well in relation to pit stops and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So Mercedes have quite a lot of firepower for the pro lineup. Uh, and I think, you know, any four of those cars, uh, particularly the, um, the triple eight car, it'd be interesting to see who's running in the sun energy car, the car that won the event last year, it's been classified as a pro this year, which would say, would suggest that Kenny Hubble isn't racing um, at the Bathurst 12 hour. So it'd be interesting. Or he's been ranked as a pro. Um, I don't think that would happen, though. That's Yeah, that's quite an int- interesting proposition. I doubt it would happen. But you would assume that there would be a similar lineup to last year, which would be Martin Conrad, Philip Eng, no, not Philip Eng, um, Philip Ellis. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see when that lineup is released, who's racing that car. Um, and Kenny Bull is only here in a... In a um, Professional capacity, not as a racer. I can't see him. I can't see him coming and doing it in a in a professional capacity without being a racer. That's the thing. The only thing it could be is that because he's a race to Daytona the week before. I don't know if he feels like he's still got it, or is it because maybe he'll have a four car lineup and three of the drivers are pros. If that's the case, it's still an M. If there's three pros and one M, it's interesting. I'm not sure, but we haven't seen a lineup for that car yet. Mm. But um. Being the reigning champion at the moment, it's good that it is returning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, off the off the rip, I wouldn't. I, well, I, we don't even know the lineup. But if uh, if her balls in the car, I don't think it will be an outright favourite for that reason. Yep, hundred percent. So let's move into the pro am ranks now. Um, I would like to start this off, this part off, just a, a small um, sort of point. One thing that is, one thing that I find very um, 
interesting when it comes to GT racing, especially, is when it comes to uh, sort of the pro classes. So in GT or Challenge, it's if it's pro or in, if it's in um, American Le Mans, if it's the GT D pro mm. classes, most of the drivers are uh, at a level where one can jump in one and one can jump out. And there isn't really much a, a driver can extract more from the car than another driver. They sort of have to drive within the parameters of how good that car is on any given day. They also get they cancel each other out there. Their yeah. Like they're, they're all not like ranked fairly evenly. Yes. But then, but then when you get into the categories such as Pro-Am and mm-hmm. Silver, I think this is where, like realistically, you can see a lot more of a, a, tact, a more tactical side to setting up your lineup, setting up your mm. stints, being sort of crafty with putting drivers in at certain times during yellows to get their to get their um, driver time in. So I think as much as you would you would say the spectacle of pro far exceeds or well, it exceeds AM and silver. Mm. When you look at the actual strategies that take place in AM and, AM and silver it usually can be more interesting mm. because there is more scope for, you know, being sneaky, for actually being smart um, in, in terms of those, yeah. and also when those they driver strategies. Put, when they choose to put the M drivers in is, is is super important. Do you get a bit of luck with um, safety cars and driver times and all those kind of things as well? So especially, def- the, this, especially this 12-hour, how long it is, like even weather and track temperature and, mm. and even just like, the light at the start of a race or the lack of light. So many um, factors. There's so many more variables purely based on the discrepancy between your pro and your AM drivers and when you choose to put them into the car. Um, 100%. Really interesting. It's a good point. It's it's somewhat self-explanatory, but I think it is good to be um, raised. We've got eight pro cars, uh, sorry, eight pro AM cars in this particular category, Uh, a little bit more of a spread. So we've got two Porsches, We've got three Mercedes and we've got three Audis. Um, and I think the, um, in some, like the point you were making before about the, how the intrigue surrounding Pro-Am, this is the category or this is the class that GT racing is made for. I mean, having all pro lineups is fantastic. Um, you get, you know, over the course of a, of a super long race, of, you know, there's, there's obvious um, intrigue in, a completely pro lineup, but like you said, I think in pro am when you've got you know um, pros and ams, you've got people funding um, these cars, people going racing purely for the enjoyment of um, or the love of the of the category. Um, you know, it's it's really good to see. So we've got you know teams like Earl Bamba Motorsport coming down. We've got Scott Taylor Motors, Motorsport back at the twelve hour. We've got Triple Eight running a pro am team with you know Richie Stanaway back in the car, which is great to see. Uh, we've got um, Tony Bates changing from Audi to a Mercedes running the Makita car um, next weekend. We've got the ever-present Mark Sini Hallmark car. We've got a Melbourne Performance Centre car that's going to be run uh, for Fraser Ross and Liam Talbot, which has to be considered one of the favourites for the um, for the class considering their um, consistency last year. We've got a Schumacher car. Um, with James Golding, with Frederick Vavish as the pros, which is, I think, has to, in my opinion, the 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 favourite for that particular um, class. So there is a lot of talent um, in this particular class. Um, where would you like to begin, Joe? I think for me, the uh, most interesting 
uh, is the um, the Boost Triple Eight car. To be honest, I think that's a very a very under or I don't know if it's underrated, but a very strong lineup with. They confirmed uh, that in that car. Oh, it's Prince Jeffrey. That's right. Yeah, Prince Jeffrey is the M, and then you've got Win Cup and Stanaway, which I think is a really um, is a really uh, good pro lineup, especially with the history that Win Cup has in the car at the track. I mean, a lot of people forget Stanaway cut his teeth in GT racing before anything else, mm. but that's where he really made his name. So I'm very excited to see him jump back into a GT car. Um, I, I feel like he's... You find it interesting, number one, that Stanaway's racing for... Not that Stanaway's racing for Red Bull, but that Boost is sponsoring a, a triple eight car even after all the things Peter Adderton has said to and about Red Bull and about Roland Dane. So I think there's intrigue there. I'm not because he was always going to buy his car from Triple Eight, no matter what, if he got the bid. So that was always part of the case. He would buy a car from Triple Eight. They made a, a deal. Mm. Um, I feel like... But then he's running a team. He's, he's sponsoring a team. That I, I, think, I, think what's, I think what's more interesting is that at the same time as Boost is putting a lot of money behind Stanaway, which I think is fantastic, mm. Red Bull have sort of like swooped in and sort of given him his career pseudo life support mm. because I think that Red Bull see something in him and might be consolidating for the fact that they they don't know how long Giza's got left, maybe. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I think it's a it's an interesting move, to, you know. To all of a sudden, he's gone from being sort of an outsider in in Australian motorsport to being some would say, oh, what appears to be could be next in line to one of the most coveted seats in Australian motorsport. And then this added on to it is just another sort of backing behind it, saying, "Yeah, we'll put you in one of our cars." And I think I think it's get- really interesting because all of a sudden he's gone from kind of. Oh, to resurrect his career, he, he'd raced Bathurst last year. There was talk that maybe he would run wild cards this year. I don't know how realistic that is, but he's in the best team now. And with that team, he's got 18 hours, essentially, because he's got a 12-hour race and a Bathurst race, which takes you know roughly six hours. He's got 18 hours with the team in a racing capacity or a co-driver capacity, just working with Triple Eight Racing to really, you know, what better interview is there for him to show his credentials as a racer, to show his credentials as a team player, uh, and to really embed himself uh, in the in the ethos of the team. And, and realistically, um, the fact that he gets to run Bathurst, albeit in a different car, with Triple Eight now, um, and get familiar with the processes and procedures that that team goes through, is most definitely going to help him in the com- you know in the comfortability factors. Uh, moving into the great race, you know, later on in the year, which is for him from being, you know, falling out of love with the sport to kind of wanting to have that resurgence um, after a couple of years, that career resurrection, um, you know, he's definitely been given a bone uh, and he needs to do the best he can to make it, um, to make the most of this opportunity. And it looks like a really strong lineup. If the, my only fear is we've seen Prince Jeffrey put a few cards in the wall over the last two years with some pretty ordinary mistakes, uh, and those things are to be expected, you know, obviously uh, out of an EM driver. 
I think the only thing that could potentially derail the team here is that even amongst the EMs, he's probably the least experienced one in this particular class. So it'll be very interesting to see when. Looking, but looking, looking down the row, like you, you asked me which ones do I consider mm. favourites. Every, every lineup has got enough pro quality in it to make it very interesting. Like you look at the Schumacher Motorsport Futures one, which is another one I want to point out because teaming up with uh, Premier Racing, um, I would have really loved to ask you a few questions about that today if it had if it had gone right about how that relationship is working. But you know they've got Jimmy Golding in the car. They've got about? yeah, they've got they've got Jimmy Golding in the car. They've got Frederick Vavish in the car. They've got Brad Schumacher in the car. So quite an uh, experienced lineup. Um, then you've got the Melbourne Performance Audi that has got um, probably the I would I would say the best. Am racer in Australia, in um, Yasser Sahin, Yasser Sahin in the car. Um, and so it's gonna, let me just confirm who he's racing with because that is a, a came out today. It's Yasser Sahin, Ricardo Feller, and Christopher Mees. Come on, you know that's 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 the two pros in that car. Realistically, I'm actually going to say something. Feller I reckon, in my opinion, faster drivers than any of the three that are in the pro lineup. That I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually make a smoky right now. If that any car was, if if any car was gonna win, the overall that wasn't a pro car, I'm gonna put my money on that car. Yeah, because I have I have no real chance, uh, no real um, objection to the fact that even Shahin could be somewhat close enough to the pace to keep that car more than competitive in his stints. Mm. And then. With the other two, Mies has been here like probably more than any Audi racer on um, any factory Audi racer probably in history has yep. been to the mountain. Yeah, and Fella is an absolute animal behind the behind the wheel of an Audi. Yeah, um, like that's that's a, that's a very impressive uh, pro M lineup. If I have to like, out of all the um, out of all of the. Audi drivers coming down, that team has the strongest pair of Audi drivers. They I mean, yeah. I would say that car and then the Liam Talbot, Fraser, Ross car. But it, I'm interested to see who is going to be. Slots in into that. that. Pardon? Who slots into that one? Yeah, I need, and I, need, I need to see who the third car Actually, but, but that's, that's, that's a silver car, though. That's the other thing. So, that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that's a silver car. Uh, They've got one pro car, one pro M car, and one silver car. Because Fraser Ross and Talba both would both be classified as mm. AMs. Okay. Okay. But um, but yeah, that's a great smoky joke. The band sport smoky for the overall. If there's yep. a car coming out of podium, you know I'm I'm gonna put ten bucks even, on it. You know what? Even for a podium joke, I'm gonna put ten bucks podium. on it. Hmm? I'm gonna put ten bucks on it. I reckon. Let's get Harry to put that on one of our instas. Let's okay. Smoky for the podium, overall All podium. Right. Done. I'm a fan, strong. Um, we've also got to consider who's in the Scott Taylor Motorsport car for Lounsey. That's another yeah, that's interesting a, a, one. Kind of, that's, that's one that, you know, anytime you've got Craig Lounds at Bathurst, I think there's a strong chance. Um, the third, who's the third? Who are the other drivers in that car, though? 
Give me a second. Keep talking. I'll find it. Because realistically, let's say that, you know, I think the maximum driving time is six hours. So you would assume that Craig Lowndes is going to be doing at least six hours in that car as the pro driver. So the strength in that team relates to who are the other guys that are driving. Um, Scott Taylor has, you know, been around the mountain for long enough if he's going to be the AM in the team. But I'll be interested to see who the third driver in that car is. They've run it last year in a Porsche, in a Porsche Cup car. Here you go. So you've got um, Craig Lowndes, Alex Davison, mm. and Jeff Emery. Well, that's a pretty strong lineup. Scott Taylor, Craig Lowndes. I wouldn't say that it has the um, ability to fight for an overall like the other car that we're talking about. That's a pretty strong lineup for. Um, for a podium in Pro-Am. And I think that that car will, will not show any outright pace throughout the weekend. But if you want a car that will, that, you know, will just trug along for 11 hours and then be somewhere thereabouts by the end of the race, that looks like well, one well, of the lineups. Well, the, the thing is, though, that that car is that the, the, the Mercedes seems to be the car to be in at the moment. Mm. Um Last year was a was a very strong season for it in all forms of GT racing, and then today the first of like sort of um, lapse in anger of GT three racing, like on your pro calendar, yeah, was at Daytona today, and it's it's a double top four lockout in those AMGs. So, I mean, it's the, definitely the car to be in. Um, and it's such a long race. You just got to stay on the lead, lead lap and be around the bouts with, with an hour or two to go. So, you know, the ball's in their court, but I think they've definitely got the machinery underneath them to, to, you know, if they can, if they can, like we said before, if they can position those, those AM driving stints intelligently, and then you've got Lowndes and Alex Davison behind the wheel when push comes to shove, I definitely think that could be, an interesting lineup as well. But, and, and we could say this about every car, to be honest. Um, but with Lounsey behind the wheel, I, you, you can't bet against the man. That's, and that's the thing. Well, we're going to assume that he's going to get quite a lot of the drive time. Um, I, I would definitely assume that. If they stay out of trouble, I think it's going to be there or thereabouts. The other interesting team that's joining Bathurst is the EBM, who are running two cars. Now, one of those cars I assume is going to be a Grove entry. Um, so that's an ever, that's an experienced team. You know, the Groves have, and I think it's the Groves and Anton Di Pasquale. So two. Um, Wasn't that at the um, Dubai last week? Yeah. Um, Are they running it again? Well, they ran last week as Grove EBM. So okay. I can, it would be fair to assume, and they ran like that at the Spa 24 hour last year as well. So it'd be fair to assume that one of the EBM entries and for anyone who doesn't know, it's Earl Bamber Motorsport, and they are a Porsche GT3 team. I think it's fair to assume that one of those entries is going to be a Grove car with both the Groves and probably Anton Di Pasquale in the lineup. Um, that would be a pretty strong team um, for a Pro-Am placing on the podium. You know, they've been there, done that. They've represented Australia at the International Motorsport Games. Um, they won a race with Matt Campbell at such an event. Uh, you know, they've raced at the Spa 24, they've raced at the Bathurst 12 hour and got podiums there, you know, many times before. I think they're a very well-oiled machine uh, in the Bathurst 12 hour department. 
And it'll be interesting to see who's in the second car, whether it's going to be, um, you know, the the drivers from the Asian uh, GT World Challenge lineup, you know, the likes of Adrian Delina, um, Adrian, Adrian De Silva, um, maybe even Earl Bamba himself. So it'll be interesting to see when that team um, is announced, both of those cars, but it'll be safe to assume that there's going to be some pedigree uh, of pros and AM drivers making up um, that team. What do you think of the um, Volante Rosso Motorsport, the Tony Bates car with Tony Bates? Um, um, it's the best looking Jordan Love on the green. And um, what's his name? Dave Reynolds. The interest, well, we'll start with if Dave Reynolds, um, uber experienced at Bathurst, so he's going to be a steady hand. I think Tony Bates, you know, you'll lose a little bit of pace, obviously, because he's a DM driver, but he'll keep, if, he, if he can keep it out of the wall, um, and obviously you've got Jordan Love, who is super impressive as a um, GTT driver, super impressive, you know, in the Porsche career before that. You know, he's going to be, I think, the silver bullet for that lineup, particularly with his last two years of experience racing that car, you know, week in and week out in Europe. Um, so I think it's a, it's a pretty strong lineup, to be honest with you. Uh, if it was me, I would be starting the race with David Reynolds in the car at night just with his experience. Oh, you know, you might even start it with love because he's experienced driving that car at night. Um, like every one of these Pro-Am lineups, with the exception of perhaps Shahin, I think could jump into the car in any condition and be strong. I think all the other lineups that are in this category, it's going to be about when they put the Pro-Am or the AM driver into the car. You know, what is the situation? Do you get lucky with him killing some of his driving time under safety car? Do you, does what he is, get, do you know what the time is for the safety car? Um, but you know, after and do you get through most of his stint? Then you get a safety car to rebunch the pack if he's lost time. All of those little um, nuances are going to play a huge role in who wins the pro am um, race. Are you were asking a question, Joe. I'm having a quick look up at something. So if you want to keep keep chatting. Um, I just want to know. I just want to. I want to confirm how long the the pro am stint, the the am stint time is, the minimum stint time. Mm. Um, I think it's a three hours. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was. To be honest, but three. It might be four hours. Would, it could actually be nah, four hours. I don't I think, think it's, it's four hours. No, because because it needs to be a significant amount. Um, let's move into silver, um, because that's the another. We've got two, four, we've got five silvers, uh, six silvers, actually. Um, we've got- It's going to be, it's going to be, it's gonna be a, this is, I think it's going to be a great category. Yeah. Because when, when you look at it, I look at like straight away, wall racing Lamborghini. Yeah. Very, very, um, you know, experienced lineup. David Wall. Uh, David Wall, Grant Denyer. Grant Denyer. Um, and um, he escapes me right now. Oh. Tony Delberto. Yeah. You know, very experienced around Bathurst. Two very AMs. Experienced. You've, got, you've got two AMs. Like if you were talking about Shahin as an AM driver, you know, David Wall as a, as a, you know, in a silver, silver class, you know, is going to be quite a, um, quite a hot prospect, I think. Uh, then you have like, like when I look at it, you have the Melbourne Performance Center. So we definitely know one of them is going to be, um, Talbot, 
and Ross um, and Fraser Ross with someone else. I mean, well, they, they need um, another. They, they get a pro or will they get an air? No, no, they get they get it. You get a you get a you get an air or a silver. Okay. Well, because okay. Well, we'll can't have any pro in silver. You can't have any pros. It's just silvers or ems. Yeah. Okay. Um, but like when you look at those two, that's that is such a um experienced competitive group. And I think I think last year we saw like a step up from Liam Talbot into in I think just the amount of work he's putting into his GT craft. And then like last year when we ended on the streets of Adelaide, he was an absolute demon behind the wheels of that of that car. He really was showing a lot of um he was he was he was showing a pace that a lot of the other EMs that are going to be in this race and in these groups couldn't match. Mm. Um, so I think if that car can stay healthy, which is you know the big question for everyone, uh, like what Marcel was saying last week, that is going to be a very 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 rapid car to I look to look, talk out for. You look at these lineups, man, and you could throw a blanket over a lot of them. Like they cancel yeah. it. Like you look at the Melbourne Performance Centre, you know, Hallmark car with Mark Sini, Fiori and Holdsworth. That's a well-oiled machine. They've yeah. raced at Bathurst, you know, a handful of times together. They know what they're doing. It's a fairly, you know, um, put together lineup. They're going to be strong. If you look at the Conduers. Pardon? With, look at the super- James and Theo, obviously, um, there's a little bit more. I think there's a little bit more um, M in that group. involved in having you know two M drivers. But if they're able to, you know, keep it off the out of the wall, the two more experienced drivers, Dave Russell. I mean, Dave Russell in the Bath in the Bathurst One Thousand for the last three four years has been one of the top five. Um, release drivers, you know, super fast, super consistent. And Jonathan Webb, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes considering his hiatus from motorsport. Uh, Bathurst 12-hour champion though. He is a Bathurst 12-hour champion. He's a Bathurst one-hour champion as well. Uh, sorry, Bathurst 1,000 champion as well. So it'll be interesting to see how those two very strong drivers, you know, um, team up with the Kondoras boys. Um, and the other... What was the other car that we needed to talk about? Oh, the Valmont car. We've got the Valmont boys. Now, last year, um, obviously, there was uh, the, the issue that befell them, but we saw the, you know, the quality of Devash and Pariati, you know, putting the car in the top 10 as a silver car. So that's, you know, it's pretty impressive. They've got the skills of um, Aaron Cameron, joining the team, you know, he's hot property in everything he seems to be touching in Australia, whether it's a TCR or a, um, or a S5000 car. I think, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a um, coming out party for him because everything that he seems to be driving, he's driving really well. Um, I think the varied experience of driving both the TCR, which is, you know, can push as hard as you want, it seems to be stable, but then, you know, being also super impressive in the S5000, which is the opposite of that, you know, you know, it's all rear end power, controlling the car, et cetera. Um, and we've obviously seen how strong he is at Bathurst in the last three events that TCR have had there. Um, so I think that's, you know, a pretty strong lineup as well. 
And really, one, one thing, one thing I think, how those men or how those um, M's, both um, Serge and Marcel, um, grow from last year's event. You know, we, we saw think- definite quality there, but realistically, you know, the the I think the crux for the Silver Cup cars teams when you've got you know more AMs less uh, depth of talent in those cars is can you keep it out of the wall long enough to give yourself a shot at the podium in the last you know 90 minutes of the race Um, i think i think that is the. i was going to make this point going through these you know these groups i think the main difference between pro to pro am and then pro am to silver and then even sort of silver to invitational is the the um the need for risk every step down mm. i think gets um accentuated a little bit more like you don't like you when you're in a pro liner you do need to risk a bit more because it, it, it is imperative you stay on that lead lap when you when you well, everybody's when you're, risking at, well, everybody's putting 100% in so if you're going at 95 you're falling behind and you might never that's right but I, but I feel like for like when you go into pro am and you go into the silver levels, surviving, staying on that lead lap, not risking and just being there at the end mm. is so imperative because you will get laps back, you will get cautions that bring you back to the pack. Can I can I, like, throw, can I can I throw an idea out there? Yeah, pro is about. Balls to the wall, but staying in control for 12 hours. No let up. It's a 12-hour sprint race. Pro-Am is a strategy race. Balls to the wall most of the way. When do you get the AM driver in in the most, you know, when do you put the AM driver in so that it limits the damage as much as possible? And there's obviously an element of luck involved in that as well. So it's kind of a strategy race um, in, from that perspective. And then when we get to the Silver Cup, it's a survival race. How long can you keep the car out of the garage with the talent or the, the people that are driving to give those more experienced drivers the chance at the end to either um, maintain a position or to push to get you in a position to extend on that podium at the end of the race? Is that a nice synopsis? I think so. I think um, I think you you've hit the nail on the head there. Mm. I think I have too. I'm pretty impressed with that. If I do say so myself. Um, another thing, you know, kind of we've kind of broken down all the categories. We've got a few invitationals. I mean, the Mark cars are back. One of them's the old Mazda. The other one is the um, you know the Mark Two V8. Only one of them's back this year. There's a Daytona sports car. I'm assuming that's the older, you know, white Corvette looking thing that used to run around. You know I mean? The Viper, uh, isn't it? Isn't it a Viper? Yeah, maybe. Uh, and we've got one KTM GT. Um, that could, like, I think the, the, the KT, the, it would be interesting to see um, if the KTM stays out of the wall. That seems to be the issue with KTMs every time they come down to Bathurst, you know, where they would finish up in the overall. Because we've seen them in, you know, the Norse life, we've seen them in Preventic and they've, you know, they're there or thereabouts, uh, but it'd be interesting to see how that team performs. Apart from that, I don't know, invitationals to me aren't why you go watch the Bathurst 12 out. And I think we've broken down the three key categories pretty well tonight, Joe. One thing to talk about 
with the upcoming 12-hour is the return to the February time slot. You know, there's obviously less chance of um, rain. A downpour. Uh, you know, maybe not so much this year with the amount of water we've had throughout our summer, but there is less chance of rain. Uh, slightly more or a slightly longer, slightly earlier sunrise, uh, which is, I guess, beneficial for the drivers. Um, but I, I like the return. You know, it's always good, I think, having, you know, the Dubai 12, 24 hour to me is like, okay, racing's back. And then you anticipate as we are now for, you know, the 24 hours of Daytona uh, and what that spectacle is and what it brings. And then it's always good to just go straight from that into the Australian, um, you know, the, it's a great way to start any kind of racing in Australia. I think it's great to have it as the first event um, for, you know, GT racing, uh, you know, purely GT racing around the world. It's great to see the drivers come down. Do you have any thoughts, any, you know, I don't know, anything you'd like to say about the return to its traditional time slot? I think um, I was talking about this last week with um, someone else. I think realistically this is sort of a building year again for all the momentum that the, that the event had amassed over the last couple of years. I think COVID Before really COVID, fit. It was really starting to hit its international straps. Yeah. And then I think COVID really, you know, uh, hit it for six. But um, I look at this year sort of as we're going to have, like, we're going to have the eyes of the GT community on us again at the start of the year, sort of like the first pure GT race of the year, uh, which, it, which it is. And um, I feel like it's imperative that, there is a good show so that the excitement can build for next year. Like with teams like Group M, uh, WRT, Craft Bamboo coming from Asia, getting the, even like um, Volante getting that um, Hong Kong-based team coming out to race for them as well in Pro-Am. Yeah. Like all these, all these. Kevin Say and um, who's the other one? I'm not sure. Is it, is but, it- um What's his name? Oh, Young? Daryl O. Young. Daryl O. Young? Could be Daryl. Could be. I'm not sure. But um, regardless, I think all these little pieces are sort of just uh, little sort of building blocks to sort of build it back up. And it's not, it's not starting from the level of where it was, say, eight years ago. But it definitely needs to, to remind people of what event it is. And I think like a lot of a lot of GT um, championships are sort of having this problem as well. Not having a problem, but like uh, for this intercontinental challenge, the the need for sort of reminding people about sort of the special aspects of it are imperative. And I think that's what this race is really gonna gonna um, need to showcase. And 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 looking at the lineups and looking at like going through what teams are here, what drivers are here you know, what sponsors are putting money into it and want to be involved. Like all these little things show that, yeah, it's not as strong as it has been, I don't know, four years ago when it was sort of at its prime, but it's definitely a strong, like a, a strong enough um, lineup and event and, you know, teams involved that um, it could be now the building block, building blocks again to sort of get it back up to where, it, where we want it to be, well, not where it needs from, to be. We've gone from... 
20 cars last year, 26 cars this year. We've got 22 GT3 cars, which is not definitely not the weakest GT3 lineup I've seen. Something that so we've got the invitation class. And one thing that we do have a really strong presence in Australia is the Porsche um, Carrera Cup. Now we've seen other GT categories like Creventic, like the VLN, run a Porsche Cup class within their you know, GT endurance racing really successfully. Is there an argument to open up the new Cup class uh, in this event? Just to build, you know, and there's a more, it's a more competitive um, field than some of the invitationals. We've got like one GT4 car, which is not so useful if you're trying to run it as a class. Do you know what I mean? So rather than having, I think, I think all the drivers from that category, pardon? who would, I think all the drivers from that category who would want to be in this race, are in this race in different teams. That's, that's, I don't think we have teams in that category who want to run their cup car for 24 hours, for 12 hours. What if Porsche um, helped out with it? I don't, I, I, my thing is I don't think you need it there. Like it's no point. I don't think it's a, a point putting it there for like a year as a stopgap. I'd rather have 24. I don't mean to have it as a stopgap. I mean to push for it to be a class moving forward. I mean we have no, I don't, I, I, I don't think so. Strong presence. Like oh, this is the other thing, right? So you've got David Wall running in a four-car team. Very easily, he could pull out of that team and run a cup car as well. You've got David Russell. But it's all money. You've got Sam Shahin, who has run at, he's not running this year, but has run at, like, yes, it's money. But if, if you know, number one, Porsche Carrera Cup runs at a lot of supercar events, so it would be easy for supercars perhaps to subsidise or to provide some initiatives as, you know, to get these or to get some of the, this field into the event. Um, you've got a lot of drivers that are already running at the event. Um, and I think if they were to run a cup car as opposed to, you know, being a team of the, the GT3, I think you could still fill the GT3 with, you know, another driver from either a pro or an AM class that isn't there. Uh, uh, what, what, I think, what, I think, what I think realistically is, is what's going to happen in the next coming years. So we've seen sort of a COVID has affected the cadre category or motorsport in general to a sort of a very, you know, um, base level all around the world. But what we're seeing as well is a lot of, a lot of big teams changing their allegiances um, in preparation for the LMDH, LMH um, sort of season that's coming in the future. So we've seen sort of Lamborghini, like one of the, the biggest Lamborghini teams around the world, FFF Racing, just completely fold this week. We've we've got um, teams like Iron Links um, lining up with Lamborghini. We've got um, Ford bringing out a brand new GT car, GT3 car in the coming year. We've got Corvette bringing out a brand new GT3 car in the coming year. We've had we like we have Ford Racing saying we want to we want to race this car at the Bathurst 12 hour. We want to race this car at the Le Mans 24 hour. So. I, I highly. The year of shit. It, it, it is a transitional year, but I would but a lot like of not be surprised. That have bought new cars because yeah. there's been a big change in um, the, like the generation of a lot of cars. Far as yeah. a new car, Porsche, new car, Lamborghini's got a new car. 
you yeah, so like, like every, to race at this every, event. So you're everything is everything's happened all at once. Pardon? So like everything sort of happened all at once. So I wouldn't be like looking at this year's grid and going, oh, do we need to invent new ways to spice it up? It's like, nah, let's just run a good event this year first and foremost, run a good event. And we will have teams who will want to come and, you know, add to this race in the coming years. We have manufacturers who have stated they want to come to this race in coming years. You know, I'm sure that if Corvette bring out a GT car, which they are, if Ford bring out a GT car, which they are, you will have teams like Tickford who have expressed interest in running a Ford GT3 car or maybe Erebus run a Corvette GT3 car. There is no, there is no way you could not convince me that those cars will not be on the grid at Bathurst at some time in the next two. Particularly with the history of Ford and GM at the event. That's right. So I wouldn't, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't delve into it as much as like the alarm bells, as much as you might be um, expressing there. That's a very strong point. I have to agree with that. I think the most, the, well, the, the greatest part is as an Australian. This race showcases our drivers, our um, tracks, our organisation, for use of a better phrase, um, to the world. It's always great. I'll tell tell you what else it showcases. It showcases how well we actually can show the race because it's only when you watch other international racing where you realise how good the broadcast is, how good the camera angles are, how good the pit commentary is, how good the actual timing displays after the race. And that's something that we have to give credit to supercars for because they've taken the production value of this race to another level. I think also um, it has to be said that the supercar idiosyncrasies of how the race is managed keeps it very, very engaging. Australian. Was. I mean, it's very Australian, in, very somewhat American as well in that, you know, in Europe, we we see you know these um, um, full course cautions. It might be a little bit harder at Bathurst to do that, but I think it could be done with the automated system. And yet, you know, the Australian, you know, uh, or the you know the nature of Bathurst and the condensing of the grids with the safety cars keeps the race very much like the Bathurst One Thousand engaging throughout. I mean, last year because there were less cars, and maybe to an extent, it'll be similar this year, just because. There are less cars and there's more room um, on track. Maybe not, to be honest with you. There's still 22 of them. Um, but, you know, hopefully, you know, with the safety cars, it'll keep the race engaging for long periods. I mean, we, we've seen, you know, races in the past with, you know, the um, Earl Bamba, BM, Earl Bamba um, you know, Team Kiwi, Porsche and the, and the um, Aston Martin who were on varying strategies, you know, five years ago, kind of converging at the end. We've seen, um, you know, the Porsche, you know, fall out of favour the, the year after with Matt Campbell again. So Australia has, and Bathurst have the knack of keeping the field together. And I think that works very well for both of their biggest events. And hopefully we get another one like that um, this year. Are you coming? I won't be. Why did you do it live on air? Because you're a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think we'll leave it there. Any but pressure. If you haven't been down to the Bathurst for hour and you've got a free weekend or you're looking for something to do the weekend after next, the weather should be fine. Even if it isn't, it's a great event, wet or dry. 
preferably dry though. Get yourself up to Mount Panorama. You're in Sydney. It's not too far away. It's a great day. You don't have the um, nature of Bathurst on a Bathurst 1000 weekend. It's really great to take your family up, pitch a tent, pitch a gazebo, you know, take a few cold ones up, take a few fishing chairs up, you know, enjoy the day. I mean, who doesn't want to see GT3 cars running around the track, you know, in two-minute laps? So get up there, support the event, support Australian racing. Um, it's going to be an absolute cracker. We've got a great mix of Australian and international drivers going up there, which will spice it up. We've got a really engaging Pro-Am class. We've got an uber-interesting Silver Cup class. Uh, and if you've watched or listened to this podcast, keep in mind the um, – the little synopsis that we've made. I mean, GT3 Pro, balls to the wall 24, uh, for 12 hours. Pro-Am, it's about, you know, getting the Am in at the right time to minimise the, the discrepancy between their pace and the Pro. And obviously, Silver Cup, it's about getting the drivers to minimise the mistakes they make, make, keep the car out of the wall, more importantly, keep the car out of the garage. And if you're following those um, storylines throughout, then it's going to be super engaging for you. And if you're not and you're watching it on TV or watching it at the event, you're just going to love watching cars go around track fast. I think that is the beauty of motorsport. At the very least, we love seeing things go fast. Live there, Joe? Yeah, I thought you were going to end it with something profound and then you stopped. All right. So please like, subscribe, share the pod, keep spreading the word. We appreciate you jumping on and listening to us every single week. Got more good content coming out next week when we interview the team from the Melbourne Performance Centre and the three cars that they're entering in the Bathurst 12-hour. And after that, we will have the review of the Bathurst 12-hour, which takes place two weekends from now. So thank you so much. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you.